Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today, I want to tell you about a renaissance that is going on. And the renaissance has to do around a supplement that may no longer be a supplement. And um, I think that's very unfortunate. So the supplement is called NAC or NAC or N-acetylcysteine. They're all the same thing. I tend to prefer calling it NAC. A lot of people call it NAC. And that's just pronouncing the acronym for N-acetylcysteine. However, I've used this as long as I practice since the mid-90s. And way back in 1963, it became a profoundly helpful thing to give a person that was suffering from a Tylenol or acetaminophen overdose. In fact, it became so popular, so confirmed that is study after study that it actually did reverse um, if as long as the person didn't die and suffer completely severe damages, but it could revive and restore one's liver from acetaminophen toxicity. It is so powerful that the World Health Organization basically has this down as this is the antidote, this is the treatment worldwide for acetaminophen Tylenol toxicity. Wherever you are, this is what the World Health Organization will tell everybody. So that was back in 1963. And uh, obviously that still exists today. Uh, as a little bit of a side note on that, the question really becomes, why wasn't there better warnings on Tylenol? And there is a whole story behind why the FDA didn't get, you know, it took, I think, 25 years before they finally put a black label warning on Tylenol that this can cause liver damage. That obviously has to do with lobbying and a whole different story. But so liver toxicity due to acetaminophen, uh, paracetamol and Tylenol, different names are the same thing, is N-acetylcysteine, NAC, NAC. And so that's profound. So now going forward in time, it has become this supplement that has been sort of the fire extinguisher for so many different conditions. And these conditions primarily are due to a hyper biochemical inflammation on a certain part of the body, just like, well, the reason it helps out with the liver, and now, by the way, we call that whole situation, it treats non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it helps the liver, because most of your 
glutathione, which NAC, NAC, is a precursor of. It's the immediate precursor for glutathione. So when your body is depleted with glutathione, which is the antioxidant, your whole body systemically, it's the one. There's not even a close number 57. It's just glutathione. That uh, most of your glutathione is in your liver and most of your glutathione is made in your liver. So as much as it is systemic, that's the storehouse, that's the production site for glutathione. So NAC, luckily when it when you take it orally, it goes, you know, has to be cleansed by the liver and there you go. When you take anything, digest anything, it goes off to the liver to, to detoxify the stuff that you're eating. So it's the first stop on the way. Okay, so that's this beginning of why NAC is so popular because it is the precursor for glutathione. And, you know, what doesn't glutathione help? It's, you know, now I'll name a particular number of different situations. <clears throat> but the situation on the deck now, given COVID in front of all of us, is that it has forced other countries besides the United States. And it, in the United States, there's finally some studies being done on this relative to COVID, which I'll get into in a second. But it's now saying, wow, this is great. Look at that. Look what it can do. It helps people with their lung conditions, right? People who have COVID, they have lung conditions. They have to be put on ventilators. Not only that, they have to put on, be put on ECMO, which is a outside the body, extra corporal. That's what that means. Um, oxygenation of the blood. So they take that whole responsibility away from the lungs and they oxygenate it on a machine. So that's ECMO. And so these patients that are, their lungs are so compromised, they give them infusion. So high doses of N-acetylcysteine by infusion, we're talking 30 grams a day, brings them back. That's incredible. And even orally, people at home who have taken it have mitigated those first steps of getting sick. So it is a big deal. So it's not just an anti-inflammatory now, but let me just uh, name a few functions of this. We have, it helps with um, mitochondrial toxicity, which is pretty much the, the liver, but throughout the body. It helps with drug addiction, methamphetamine, tobacco, um, crack, cocaine, across the board. Uh, it helps with, now it's into cog uh, cognitive deficits. You know, why is that? So when you see or hear that it has a particular effect in a certain area, for the most part, you can think of, well, when you take the inflammation away, so I just mentioned cognitive deficits, you're probably thinking of Alzheimer's or dementia, and you should, um, that you reduce the cerebral inflammation, you'll get an improvement, providing there hasn't been decades of damage already, okay? Uh, but anyways, they've recognized that. Um, the kind of international unit of inflammation now is C-reactive protein, CRP and interleukin. And they now have plenty of studies that show that it drops a level of CRP and interleukin. That's one of the tests. I don't really include interleukin because it's a, a re redundant cost, if you, ask me, if you ask me. But CRP, I include in tests. And uh, absolutely, if I see people that I can't quite understand why they're high, uh, NAC is the first thing that they should be taking. And um, in case I get too enthusiastic and too zealous about this, let me tell you a little bit about the side effects that you will probably experience. And then I have experienced is you'll get heartburn. You can possibly induce 
a ulcer if you get if you go way too high on oral um, oral uh, application, oral taking of this. So um, you basically the standard dose is 600 milligrams three times a day. You can go up to twice that, but really your limitation is going to be your own heartburn. So take it with food to mitigate that. If you really have something you want to, uh, you know, want to push to try to accomplish. So just know that it's um, it's 10% absorbable. Not that you really care. A pill is a pill, and you take it for its effects. But that's why. It's infusion. That's why it's used in the hospital for IVs or starting to be used in the hospital for IVs because you can really step around the gut. You're not going to have a gut problem, obviously, and you really support, quickly get into the bloodstream and go uh, systemic-wide. So it is a big, big deal. It has to do with epigenetic signaling. It has to do with, uh, in addiction, as I've, you might remember when I've talked about addiction before, you have this disconnection to what they call the prefrontal cortex. So if you tap your forehead, specifically you tap your forehead between your eyes, you'll get your optic prefrontal cortex. And this, the disconnection is what addicts have, right? If you think of an addict, they want something, they want something, they're going to do anything to get it. So they want it, they get it, get out of, get out of their way because they know what they're doing, they know what they want. And there's no thinking involved. There's no thinking, let's sit down and talk about why you want this thing or maybe better ways to get whatever it is you're after, whether it's a substance abuse or behavioral abuse. Um, it's, it's an addiction. Well, when you reconnect, that is provide, you take away the inflammation, but it's even a little more technical. It really helps restore dopaminergic uh, receptors, which is a big deal. Now they start to feel a little more relaxed. They come to a place that I consider it kind of like acupuncture, that they have a relaxed space that they can then think about what it is they're trying to do. So they've actually had studies on this in terms of people getting off of cigarettes, you know, can they, which is really hard to do. And they find it's been much more successful with uh, those who are taking NAC. So um, let's see where we can go. So we have, how's this? Glutathione, oxidative stress, NAC in psychiatric disorders. You bet it um, can be used in bipolar, in major depressive um, disorders, in schizophrenia. So why could it possibly be so involved in that? Well, when I look at that and hear those, it's all, almost like a triad or related things. That really means there's probably a, a genetic predisposition to people that have certain mutations in their methylation system, we'll call it. it has to do with folic acid cycle and methylation cycle. I'm not going to go into that here because it's you need a little visual, but you it's becoming more of a common reference to look into it. You might have heard of MTHFR, but it's a number of other mutations that are in the same similar context in terms of methylating. Methylating has to do with um, exchanging a thing called a methyl group, which are three carbons and a hydrogen, one carbon and three, sorry, one carbon and three hydrogen. And it goes, it turns cells on and off. So with your DNA, um, and it's a big deal. So there are people such as myself that uh, are, are compromised there. So it's probably the reason I was pretty severely dyslexic, but it's also involved in in the whole spectrum. So the spectrum is between autism, Asperger's, and dyslexia. 
dyslexia is the more malleable end of that being on the spectrum. But autism is obviously the other end. And so it is involved in all these um, disorders. And so there's research, plenty of research that's involved with autism. Does it cure autism? No. Autism is what they call a heterogeneous, meaning there's a lot of little combined things that are going on, but it does have a benefit for a number of cases. Just like, by the way, if you take away gluten and dairy, that has a benefit in a lot of cases of autism as well, for different reasons, of course. So when we're looking at these sort of ground aspects of something as basic as N-acetylcysteine, which is a supplement, I mean, you can get it in Walmart, you can... uh, um, get it nearly anywhere. I was about to say on Amazon, but Amazon stopped selling it because about a year and a half ago, uh, around December, 2020. So no, not a year and a half ago, less than a year ago that the FDA sent out warning letters to seven companies that were boasting that NAC could be used as a hangover treatment. So they were making a claim, right? They're hanging a claim to a supplement. When you, have, when you hang a claim on something, you're making it a drug. And because there were seven companies, more than seven companies who were doing that, they said cease and desist, or we will be forced to reconsider the usage, public usage of N-acetylcysteine and make it a drug, which is, there's a lot of doctors that would prefer to have that. And certainly I believe that the pharmaceutical companies would just as soon have NAC under wraps because it is demonstrably really helpful in so many different situations. So here is one on, we talked about addiction. So reduced prefrontal cortex glutathione, meaning it's low in glutathione and schizophrenia, depression, and bipolar for the reasons I just described you. But you know, you think, well, that's pretty kind of esoteric. It's not esoteric. Here's a paper. I'm going to read just the top to you that's nearly 100 years old. It was uh, actually done in 1929. Think of the year the stock market crashed. And it was published in 34. In the middle of the depression, this paper comes out. People were looking at these things. That's amazing. Um, So what they did is they measured uh, lactic acid. I want me to say the theory of schizophrenia is due to a, a deficient oxidation of the body tissues, particularly the hypothalamic region, the brain, has been the starting point for a number of investigations. So what they found is that, and this is the title of the paper, lactic acid and glutathione content of blood of schizophrenic patients. So what they found was that there was more lactic acid. Where do you get lactic acid? Lactic acid is if you were to work out, you're going to have lactic acid in your in your muscles and certainly in your bloodstream. And it's when you stress yourself enough, and most people t- tend to think physically. So if you want to think about running around a track, you're thinking about lifting weights, or you're thinking about a swim meet, and you're sprinting down the pool, whatever that is, you're going to get to the point that you're not bringing in enough oxygen. And now your body goes in what they call anaerobic respiration, which means you're going to go into an oxygen debt. But it can make energy. It's not efficient, but it's better than nothing since we're, you're, you're behind on bring, supplying the oxygen. And so that it will make, the deal is it makes lactic acid, which you then, then have to go back and convert when there's enough oxygen um, available. So they measured the lactic acid and said, wow, there's a lot of stress going on, what's going on, and giving... Um, noticing that this was high, 
the same experiments have been done nearly 100 years later, that this could be alleviated by taking NAC, which is alleviated by the glutathione. So that's pretty amazing. So nearly 100 years ago, they knew what was going on. Uh, and NAC was a useful piece of um, of supplement, I guess like a drug or supplement it was before it was even categorized back then. So now it's all mapped out and it does a lot of different things. Um, I guess one thing you could sort of say it reduces what they call ROS, reactive, reactive oxygenase species, which are free radicals. So it reduces free radicals, and that's its primarily job. It's it's the fire extinguisher throughout the body. It then muzzles, muffles, um, gets rid of the free radicals, so that it doesn't it doesn't do damage. There's a point by having inflammation in our bodies where we need it, whether it's a virus, uh, an infection we're trying to fight, or some sort of trauma, and that is necessary. That that's you need, it's a localized information that it is necessary for a short period of time, but it needs to be controlled. This is where glutathione comes in and a lot of other systems that use glutathione. When the glutathione isn't there, those local inflammatory aspects can't be controlled. So think of the forest fires out in California that they there wasn't enough water, there wasn't enough rain, there wasn't enough dampness, there wasn't enough firefighters to put out the fires. And some of them started with just a match. Some of them started with lightning. You know, that it took just a little bit to make a huge fire and create a lot of damage. That's how it is in the body that if you don't have enough of the systemic, what I'm calling systemic antioxidant, which is glutathione, then little fires don't get put out and they can become what they call chronic ongoing inflammation or chronic ongoing inflammatory disorders. And that pretty much characterizes uh, our health in the last 40 years. I mean, there are studies showing the number of inflammatory or disorders caused by inflammation only has increased tremendously. And so you can say, well, why did it increase tremendously over the last 40 or 50 years ago? And you can say, well, it's because we don't have the glutathione. I just told you that. Well, why don't we have the glutathione? Well, it really, really comes down to the diet. We're not giving the body the things that it needs to manufacture the NAC and the glutathione. That's one thing. And also, you can say there's a lot of external stresses. So one stress would be clearly environmental pollutants, right? They are toxins that we now take in from the air, from our water, it's the plastic, it's the dioxin, it's the heavy metals, it's the phthalates, it's the pesticides, it's the, should I stop there? Um, so there's a lot of reasons there. And also, I don't know what part of the world you're listening from right now, but um, as I see the United States and I'm in North Carolina, there is a lot of financial stress to a lot of people's lives. We, just in the course of the pandemic, the last year, year and a half, the amount of murders has gone up. Suicides have gone up. Depression has gone up. What am I leaving out? But uh, schizophrenia, bipolar have gone up. And they've gone up for these external, external stresses. Not just the staying at home, but it's probably the staying at home and eating the fast foods and the omega-6 and other things. And so they're just not getting the nutrition. And they're having a lot more stresses than they had 50 or 100 years ago. I'm not saying life was easier 100 years ago, but they didn't have the environmental, didn't have the heavy metals, the plastics, the phthalates, the pesticides. Um, and so that's a big deal. 
okay, so those things are cranking up the need for glutathione. Our nutrition is not providing enough of the things that are necessary to make glutathione, which are three amino acids, which is glycine, glutamine, and cysteine. And so what are you going to expect? You're going to expect that you are now going to be having a culture that's going to have a lot of problems that didn't exist before, in part because of nutritional deficiencies and in part because of the environmental stresses. So where did the tires come off the car, as I like to say it? The tires tend to come off the car first around methylation. Uh, people's methylation system starts to fall off. The little tires start to fall off. It doesn't get done very quickly. Cells don't get, uh, DNA doesn't get turned on that it should or turned off that it should. And so it starts to fall apart there. As you might remember from the podcast I gave about World War II in the Dutch hunger winter is that the, they had the highest rates of schizophrenia and other psychological disorders at a time in which they had global starvation for about six months from November to May. Four million people starved. And so suddenly they had this, hate to say it this way, perfect laboratory to measure what happens when you don't get the appropriate nutrition. Well, the tires came off the car metabolically in a number of people. Yes, and many, many people died as well. Okay, so that was about ROS, reactive oxygen species. It's very protective. It also, and this, these are new. So when I call this a renaissance, it's a rediscovery and now a reapplication that hadn't been either taken seriously because it was a supplement, remember, that um, now is beyond what they thought it would do. So they're now showing that if people take NAC after surgery, and there's been, let's say you had, uh, well, let's say Judy, she had a brain tumor. You know, they obviously cut the skin of the scalp and so on. And so part of her scalp has remained numb that, you know, now had they given NAC or recommended giving NAC, the, the knitting together of the nerves in the skin, just under the skin and in the brain for sure, would be improved. In one way, you can say, well, that should have been an obvious answer because you just told us it helps with inflammation and surgery would, true. But it, we're speaking about the nerves and it was never really known that the mitochondria, it helped the mitochondria and the nerves and therefore nerves grew faster and better. Interesting. Okay, it helps with reversing mitochondrial toxicity, which is a very general statement, but how they did this particular experiment is they gave to mice uh, a lot of what they call K3 metadione. So to the point they gave it so much, it started in inducing what they call apoptosis, cell death. And they gave other mice that had that same toxic exposure, but they gave them NAC and there was no negative results. That was pretty dramatic. And there's even a graph I'm looking at as I'm talking to you. NAC rescues cognitive deficits induced by mitochondrial dysfunction. And that again was in mice. That's amazing. NAC reduced uh, methamphetamine induced cell death. So that's a meth head. So what happens with that is that it also has to do with cocaine, um, cigarette, and so on, is that by having the anti-inflammatory, the meth didn't trigger. And by the way, this is written in a Parkinson's disease journal. And you know, what's the connection is because um, methamphetamines is considered one of the triggering events for Parkinson's. And so with NAC, it was either not triggered 
or more, less so. Triggered more moderately. Okay. Um, one thing about, uh, says, uh, antidepressant effects of NAC in mice. Um, with addicts, I want to go back to addicts before. We've talked to them twice now about the prefrontal connection. When you talk about uh, addiction, usually you talk about glutamate excess. You know, there's everything's in glutamate, which is the opposite of GABA, which is kind of the meditation. I'm feeling comfortable. That's that you're in the GABA state. But when you're driven by something, you have glutamate, which is a neurotransmitter. And so NAC tends to change that ratio. So does uh, ketones, by the way, but different conversation. We talked about it drops CRP and interleukin-6. Um, they had an interesting comparison of two groups of people giving up cigarettes, and they found out the rate of success was a lot higher in the NAC group. The rate of, or the um, carbon monoxide, which you get from smoking cigarettes, damage from smoking cigarettes was far less than the NAC group, and they were far less depressed when they gave up the cigarettes or giving up the cigarettes, as usually is the case when you're giving up cigarettes. Pulmonary fibrosis, it's uh, they call it idiopathic, which is the scarring of, la of lung tissue and when they don't know the answer, and I'm sure there is an answer, but they just didn't in this particular case. It's also used for cystic fibrosis for the same thing. Uh, NAC is a mucolytic, so that means it breaks up mucus. So if you're thinking when you're in the th throes of a flu or cold, and I'm not just talking COVID, I'm talking about, you know, you have that lung part, the lower respiratory part, when you want to break up that mucus, NAC has been used all the time. It's mucomist is one of the uh, name, brand names of the product. But what you're doing is NAC is breaking that up and it dries out your lungs. One of the things I notice every so often, if I sort of like just take an NAC when I, or, or I'll, hey, I'll take NAC today, make sure that I'm good. If I don't need it, it dries me out and it really makes for a kind of a hoarse voice. So too, if I drink too much coffee, but it makes for kind of a hoarse voice. So if you need it, it will work. And um, I did a YouTube on this recently, and I described that, yes, it can be used for so many different situations and therefore for so many different people, but it also may not work for you. And the story I gave was uh, there was a client that I was working with, and I said, you know, you might want to try NAC. It could be a beginning place to start, which is not really expensive, and it has a lot of benefits. And so he did it dutifully for about a month and got no effects after my, you know, giving it, stalling it with all of its attributes and virtues and so on. I said, no, it didn't do anything for me. You know, no better sleep, no better thinking, no better energy, nothing. And he gave it to some of his friends as well. And uh, I don't know if they had any response, but he gave it to his wife, who was a schizophrenic on two medications, and it basically was transformative, completely changed her life. Don't know if she's still taking it, but the stories were, was almost spine tingling. And so he said, so maybe not for me, but it was a home run for her. So we're going to continue taking it. So I felt better about that. But just know it's not for everybody. And um, it's not, first thing is, it's not for everybody. You won't have a benefit. If you take it in high doses, you, there is a, uh, as I mentioned, heartburn and the drying out of the lungs. So if you don't need it, don't take it. 
taking it every so often, certainly with colds and flus, or if you think you're going to have, you've had alcohol and so on. I want to say this alcohol thing is not necessarily better for hangovers. It supports the liver in its detoxification process. And there's a num- number of parts of your detoxification process of the liver. Uh, glutathione is merely one aspect of it. So the degree that that aspect of detoxification of alcohol has been depleted, then it will be of benefit. So that's where that connection is. It's not the only thing you need to take if you're going to detoxify alcohol and you have a lot of alcohol on you. So um, FYI. There's plenty of, plenty of studies in depression. And um, that's impressive. And again, it goes back to the methylation of folic acid cycle. And it's filling in and it makes some of these um, particular weak links stronger, to make a long story short. Not worth going into all the details. We have, uh, they did a mitochondrial analysis after death, post-mortem in the prefrontal cortex of control, bipolar, major depressive patients and schizophrenic patients. And they found uh, the big difference of how much glutathione was there and how much wasn't there. So it says that um, basically NAC was in, uh, glutathione was very low in those particular of patients relative to control. They can measure it in the blood. It says mitochondrial uh, peripheral blood correlates with severity of major depression. So the fact that um, NAC and glutathione drop and you can measure it in the blood is a high correlation for major depression. So the good news is there, it's one of those things you can take that are general. There's not going to be immediate uh, side effect that if you take it, it may well prove. That there, so there's a major upside and a minor downside. And the, and the downside would be if you take too much and you take it over a prolonged period of time. But so at home, I mean, look what I just said. We had bipolar goes up, schizophrenia goes up, major depressive disorders goes up. And um, I can't, I, can't, I know there's something else I've forgotten. But there's plenty of things. Um, so mitochondrial abnormality is well documented in multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, uh, Parkinson's disease, autism, uh, major depressive disorder, schizophrenia, and bipolar. So for all of those conditions, NAC should be in your cupboard if you have that in your household, just like activated charcoal. And I wanted to go back for an even more general statement. If there were two, and I was about to say arguably three, but two supplements that hits most situations, not just as an anti-inflammatory, but really helps change that, it would be fish oils, your omega-3, so very specifically EPA, DHA, I'm going to call them fish oils, and NAC. And they, omega-3s, DHA is very important for brain. EPA is actually more important for our immune system. They also find that uh, um, NAC is antiviral. Uh, so that couples up with the, the fish oil of the EPA. And um, it's just so impressive. So right now I'm saying this is what you need to have. There is a danger, though it hasn't been after the FDA warned those seven com- companies. It still gets kicked around in the news. 
you know, with these claims coming up, you know, I'll be making it a drug. And I have a feeling that it's not just the FDA. They clearly could spend their time doing with other more productive things and chasing down people buying NAC because they don't want to hang over. Um, I think it's really a lobbying effort by the pharmace- uh, pharmaceutical companies. So um, that's it. The big, the big mitochondrial supplements are NAC, CoQ10, alpha lipoic acid. Um, those are the top three. Not that you should guzzle those, but you start looking into or their deficiencies. That's what I would do. And um, so that's why we do the kind of more complicated testing. What else can I say about this? Oh yeah, this is in Iraq. There was um, there was a number of cars, uh, Humvees, that were that suffered the the explosions from the IUDs, and so you know the soldiers that were in these uh, Humvees that blew up obviously had brain trauma, among other things. And so they started giving NAC right away to these concussed soldiers as they came in, and they found it made a dramatic difference. And so when you think of TBI, traumatic brain injury, however you get there, it could be from a bicycle accident or something else, or swimming into the end of the pool, um, it helps with that. So it helps with the inflammation, which is both temporarily necessary, but controls it and brings it back. So it was dramatically uh, a huge difference. And um, so one thing, there's a good study out that is called a therapeutic blockade of inflammation in severe COVID. Now, when I say severe COVID, think of lung, call it a lung infection. They have inoperable lungs. They're probably on ventilation machines or they're on ECMO and um, they need help. And so with these severe infected people, they gave intravenous, so that's high dose, NAC, and um, they called out a group of 10 people specifically. So it's a very small study, but it's been done a couple of times. And these particular people had a vulnerability. I've talked about methylation as a vulnerability. This is a different vulnerability. These 10 people had a, a genetic defect called G6PDH, which is glucose 6-phosphate, um, phosphate, say it so often, dehydrogenase deficient patients. So what does that mean? It means that, well, when they were put on hydrochloroquine, which wasn't a bad idea, is hydrochloroquine is a pro is a pro um, oxidant. In other words, it's going to make a lot of free radicals. Well, these particular individuals already were vulnerable. And what happens when they get too much stress in their life, generally speaking, whether it's from running or life stretches or toxic exposures as we just talked about, when they get too much stress, which leads to too much, too many free radicals that they can't put out, is that they then go into hemolysis. And so their red blood cells begin to pop. And so they become anemic quickly, kind of like thalassemia. Their red blood cells begin to pop they become anemic, they can't carry the oxygen, and they need a lot more oxygen and or they die. So with these 10 patients, they gave NAC, and what they found, it made such an amazing difference that the glutathione mopped up those free radicals that were created from the hydrochloroquine, which is the antiviral, and consequently, they went on and got better, and 
um, let me see if I can read this specifically. Oh, um, I don't think I can. I can't find it right now, but um, there's a lot of graphs showing exactly when they gave the time of NA, IV, NAC, how their CRP and their ferritin, which is another inflammatory marker, uh, dropped dramatically. And um, how their need for ECMO eventually just um, was removed completely and they were taken off ECMO. So that's pretty dramatic. Small population in a very special subset, a very vulnerable subset. Um, but I thought that would be worth mentioning. And they also measure, they measure the, you know, the CRP before, during, and after. And it says, yeah, it's the NAC with COVID. How does NAC work in 10 patients with severe COVID? So that's being done more and more. There was one study, kind of the better study, which is the one I just told you about. Uh, here's NAC's crucial role in preventing and treating COVID. And that actually comes out of Wuhan. Uh, how uh, ironic in the sense. And the therapeutic blockade of inflammation and severe COVID actually came out of New York State. Two different hospitals teamed up on that. So I'm going to end there in saying that, you know, NAC's actions beyond its roles as precursor to glutathione are uh, replenishes your cells, supplies of glutathione, and helps regulate the expression of many genes in your body. It, so other genes that react to the inflammatory process. Supports healthy insulin sensitivity. I didn't mention that. Supports respiratory health, of course, when you get rid of the lung inflammation. Protects tissues and cells from the effects of oxidative stress from exercise. That's why it's actually a, a trendy sports thing as well. Supports normal healthy cellular growth and development. And of course, the biggest thing, think of liver. It's it's not it's one of the components of your liver's detoxification process. It's not the only way. But when your liver gets overtaxed, its supply of glutathione gets overtaxed, its ability to create glutathione via combining cysteine with glycine, with glutamine, gets overtaxed and it just doesn't happen. So that's why it's used for things like fatty liver. That's why it's used for things like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It's amazing. Now, by the way, I mentioned the NAC and omega-3. There's even an article I'm looking at that said omega-3, uh, NAC and omega-3 and schizophrenia, even bigger. Okay, I'm going to leave you that and hope that this was a, no pun intended, shot in the arm, that NAC. So I'm encouraging you to go out and get your NAC and at least keep it you know, in your medicine cabinet. So you should have activated charcoal, you should have your fish oil, you should have your NAC, and that's your beginning medicine cabinet. Um, and yet, check on the dates because these do go out of dates or keep it in the refrigerator, however you want to do it. So until next time, Dr. Cole Camp, have a great week. Hi, this is Dr. Cole Camp again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O. 
N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.